Listeners, welcome to another week here uh, from the Trinity Studio. I am Serena Wolf, and I'm here with Caleb Spiker. And we are excited to be with you today. Grab another cup of caffeine and kick back and join us for some conversation. All right. So, uh, Caleb, today, um, as we were talking about our topic for this week's podcast, we had a little discussion around um, predators and how we view that and how what we learn from people who have had moral failings can help us and all that. But then we were talking and uh, thought maybe the real issue to tackle here is accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and yeah, I mean, I think part of it is is answering the question you know because i i think we are too quick when someone has a moral failure just be like well they were a predator it never happened to the rest of us here's the problem like there have been enough people who have failed morally who i guarantee are better people than me Right. Like I cannot simply say, well, I'd never do that because I'm not like them. It's like like the reality is Jean Vanier, better guy than me, more spiritual than me, more generous than me. Like. I don't know that I agree with that. How how this area of his life became, you know, utterly tied up in a reprobate mind. Like, that's what I want to find out. Because it's like, here's a guy that in every other facet of his life, like, if you put us on the scales, like, Mm -hmm. I am found wanting. But then this one area, he's given over to a reprobate mind. And my question is, why? Because I doubt he went out one day and said, you know what I think I want to be? I want to be a dude who takes advantage of women. Yeah. Like like what's going on there, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the question. Um that I think we need to answer for the rest of us, right? Because all these dudes who say it'll never be me, guess what? The people who it becomes, they start out saying it will never be me. Like there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement of our own possibility for monstrosity and some active steps taken to guard against it. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Like, Ravi Zacharias, doubt he started out a monster. Probably not. Highly doubt it. My guess is he started out a lonely you know, stressed out dude who had an opportunity that he took advantage of and he probably felt awful about it the first time. But then he's like, man, this feels good. And 
it's a whole lot easier than, you know, fixing my marriage or whatever. Yeah. Um, and this is a, speaking as a woman and a woman who has witnessed firsthand the destruction that comes from a leader abusing a position of power to have inappropriate relationships with women outside his marriage, and probably men too. Um, this is a complicated issue. So I'm with you. I don't think most people who do wrong in general uh, set out to say, well, I'm just going to do this. Uh, I don't think that's how sin works. At the same time, um, I, I would say that, boy, this is really a complicated situation, a complicated thing to talk about. Um, I would say that God can use even the most rehensible, is that the right word? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm, my, my wording today is not good. Uh, God can use someone who is sinful and work through them to bring good. Um, we see this all through scripture, right? Like there is no s purely good character in scripture there just isn't except well maybe mary mary i would say she is the most upstanding character in the bible yeah um not named jesus right so here's the thing um pride really has no room in the heart of a Christian because pride is what will keep you from confessing your sin and repenting. And as our confirmation students can tell you, repentance is involves two things, changing your mind about what you've done and then changing your behavior. At some point, they do make a choice to keep going. Look, I can get behind um, forgiving and eventually reinstating someone to a position of authority who has a moral failing. Because what is a moral failing? Like Paul, as Saul, you know, killed or, or tortured Christians, right? Um, it took him a while to earn the trust of the disciples. I mean, Ananias, mm -hmm. not happy with God saying, I'm sending you my servant Saul. This was not like, this was a little scary. Yep. But um, Paul didn't hide his past. No point. People knew, right? David, dude, your first problem was that you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing. Mm. You were not out with your army. You were sitting in your palace. Uh, 
Then you saw this beautiful woman out bathing and you didn't walk away. And then you send for her. And then you kill her husband. And then you make her your wife. Like, oh my goodness. Hey, at least he let her mourn for an entire week before. <sighs> yeah. Um, but, like, we see it. David repents, right? Now, it takes Jonathan, right, coming and being Nathan. like, uh, huh? Nathan. Nathan. Sorry, you're right, Nathan. Uh, coming and being like, so, David, what's up? Um, very creatively telling the story to David and then... And then going like, you are the man! You are the man who did wrong! Um, so I think that there is room for repentance and rehabilitation and reinstatement and reconciliation. And I think in our culture, um, we need more of that. Like, we need to figure out how to do this. You mean we don't cancel people? Oh, don't even get me started. Oh, people who call out cancel culture are such hypocrites. Anyway, um, that we can save that for another podcast. But here's, here's the problem. Um, the person at the last church I was at sought out women who would not be believed if they told people. Well, there we're talking about like a legitimate predator, right? But did right? he did he start out that way? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I right. So yes, there are legitimate predators, and without being in the person's circle from the outside, it's really hard to tell who's the predator and who isn't. Um. Well, I, I guess what I am where I think for those of us who do not see themselves as predators the wisdom in paying attention to these situations mm -hmm. is saying huh that could be me what do i do to make sure it's not right yeah and i i'm with you on that um because i think far too often we just say well that would never be me that would never be me i would i i would never do that i would never steal money i would never you know fail sexually whatever right yeah but i mean the the reality is we all have the capacity for it mm -hmm. and i think that confessing that so i don't know that i would say that would never be me uh because there are there are things in my life that i do to keep me from falling into temptation now, if I stop doing those things, maybe it could be me. But at this point in time, I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying, I'm not going to be having a relationship that's intimate with anyone other than my husband. No, thank you. You have the biological advantage. I do have the biological advantage. I, well, that may be so. And that may be why. Oh, it, it is so. Like, go sit in the forest. Like, you will learn every single mammal in the world that is male, has two primary objectives. Keeping their belly full. Oh, no. Don't say it. And breeding females. Okay, there we go. That, that is, like, 
every single mammal, there's not a single one this isn't true of, males, all they care about is staying alive, eating food, and finding females to breed. Well, and I would say, though, that... And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. humans are mammals. We now, are. we are more sophisticated mammals who, like, have the capacity to be like, oh, this is right and this is wrong. And, you know, we have a little more higher level thinking. But guess what? That prefrontal cortex, that uh, reptilian brain that we have, it is the exact same as every other mammal on the planet which drives us primarily to having full bellies and looking for breeding partners so which is not in any way justification for you know not doing what is right but if we fail to acknowledge that this is at the core of the you know evolutionary response or the design or however we want to you know place the blame for you know men being the way that we are um like if we fail to acknowledge that then i think we're setting ourselves up for failure so a couple of things um first we are we do have some creatureliness right like we are creatures we are created Um, But I think that I would say the things that we see in nature, while descriptive, like any similarity we have to other creatures comes because of our fallen nature, right? Like we are made in the image of God and that image is broken. And so I... I am hesitant to look at nature and say, well, it happens in nature, so we can expect it to happen in human beings. Um, Although I think we uh, sacrificed some of our humanness, right? And the image is distorted. Um, I, I mean, I agree with you. There's no way around this, right? Like, men's brains work differently than women's brains. Like, men respond to things typically, right? Like, the standard average man will respond to visual stimuli differently than women. That, that's just, that's, that's science. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, we can be different. Um, we have different hormones. Our biochemistry is different. For me, though... Like, I, as a Christian, reject the premise that we are just hardwired that way. Um, because that's, if you are a Christian, you are not hardwired that way. Like, well, your sin nature isn't completely destroyed yet, right? But as a Christian, you are, you are a temple of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a frontal cortex. We, we do. Did you know that there's new science out? Like, I've been listening to some podcast from neuroscientist that this whole idea of reptilian brain, blah, 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 may not be a completely accurate. And that reptiles, like my bearded dragon, who have thought to be not really able to attach to people, and owners are like, they totally attach to people. Scientists are starting to be like, oh, they do attach to people. Anyway, 
Yeah, because you have warm skin and we're cold-blooded. Except that everyone in my house has warm skin, but she does not prefer everyone in my house. Anyway, uh, boy, we digress. <laughs> um, this is where I think uh, our tradition has something to offer the world. Like, we should be taking holiness seriously. And to take holiness seriously, to take God seriously and the commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Like these moral failings are failings to obey those commandments. And Caleb, maybe you are no better than uh, the man's name. Yeah. Any of them. But here's the thing. Like... (laughs) I trust God in you, right? And therefore, I will place some trust in you until you break that trust. And I have confidence that you are humble enough that if you did do something stupid, first off, you're not going to pull anything over on your wife. I've met her. She is a sharp lady. Sharp and stick. You should be afraid of her. Anyway, not really. But she's she's great. Um, you've got no incentive. But anyway, like, if we take holiness seriously, we can address these things. If we take Methodism seriously, we can address these things, right? Like, if we are confessing our sins, and this is why it's important, like, not just to confess your sins to God, in private, but to confess your sins to other people. Because God holds us accountable through other people. This is why our denomination is in such a hot freaking mess. There is no accountability. None. Nada, zip, zero. You're not wrong about that. There is no accountability for the pastor that was at the last church I was at. It was, oh... You can surrender your credentials or we're going to bring you to church trial. Oh, I surrender my credentials. He went away and the majority of people at the church have no idea what happened. There's no accountability. And when there's no accountability, like, uh, yeah, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, so we'll not get back into it. Well, and I think the lack of accountability also makes it so that we lose the opportunity to learn mm-hmm. yep it's like what what's what's that proverb a uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of of maintenance or something like that like what is it it's Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but yeah. You know, it's like... There's a reason preventative medicine is necessary. Yeah. I mean, when we think about, you know, I mean, this is true for everything, right? Like, what are the little things that you can do on a daily basis to set yourself up for success? Whether that is, um, you know, meeting health goals, right? Like, are you maniacal about getting enough sleep, right? Like, are you 
making sure you're drinking enough water. Are you getting up and moving? Right? Like it is when it comes to living in a healthy manner, nothing has changed in 50 years. Mm-hmm. Since 1970, we've known everything it takes to be healthy. Like nothing has changed since then. It's drink plenty of water, you know, get your, uh, your calorie expenditure and your calorie intake to level out, get lots of sleep and that's it, right? Like, like that is all it takes to be pretty healthy, right? Like outside of, you know, in general, yes. Acute issues, right? right? Like if you break your arm, guess what? Like drinking enough water isn't going to fix that, right? <clears throat> yeah. But generally, like you look at folks with health issues, they aren't doing the basics, right? Like if we get the fundamentals right, a lot of our health issues go away. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Christian life is the same way, right? Like well, I just don't feel like I'm growing in Jesus. Well, have you been reading the Bible every day? Well, no. Are you are you praying? No. Like, are you committed to you know worshiping with God's people? Well, I was at church once last month. Like, okay, then, then time out, yeah. right? Like, this is not a failure on God's end, <laughs> right? Right. This is not a failure on the church's end. Like, if you aren't going to take your role in your discipleship, if you aren't going to take your role in your health, if you're not going to take your role in living a morally, you know, upright life seriously, then it's like, I mean, there, there, there are things that, that we have to employ strategically to make it as humans. Yeah. And, well, you know, in none of it's difficult, right? Like, or I shouldn't say it. None, none of it's complicated. None of it's complicated. Like, you know, having your calories in, calories out, level out, not a complicated concept. It's difficult to say no to that piece of cheesecake, though. Yeah. You know, it's difficult to, uh, you know, get on the treadmill or whatever. Um, You know, it's it's not difficult or it's, it's, it's not complicated to you know read the daily scripture reading passage that we send out in the emails they're very short to pray the breakthrough prayer to sit in silence with god like none of this is complicated but if we are used to being endlessly entertained Mm -hmm. and that our free time is spent watching youtube videos and netflix and tiktok whatever then yeah giving your (laughs) giving your personal data to the chinese communist party (laughs) um you know it can be difficult to to do something that in comparison seems boring and slow Mm -hmm. Mm you know if 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 we're if we're used to um telling ourselves that well you know, we are just different than the people who do bad stuff. We're good. They're bad. Like, we wouldn't do bad stuff. You know, when the reality is, 
No, people are neither good nor bad. People are people. We all have the capacity for monstrosity. We all have the capacity for beauty. Um, and, you know, we, we cultivate the parts of ourselves that we want to flourish. Um, and we are maniacal about weeding the stuff that's going to be invasive and, and harmful. Yeah, so here's... And here's that's, where, that's where accountability comes in, right? Yeah. Because it's a whole lot... Um, you know, there, there is such a huge benefit to having partners in that journey. Mm-hmm. To having people who, you know, as you've been you know, reading the daily scripture verses, that you can get together and be like, you know... We read from Luke 5 the other day, and there was this thing that I just... It didn't sit right with me. What did you think when you read it? And, you know, you can talk about why it didn't sit right. You know, what's going on? How God is working in you? You know, have that trusted voice to bounce things off of. And in and of itself, it's an act of worship. Yep. Um, you know, the... Um, like there's been a lot of research on the value of accountability and weight loss. Like having someone who's going to say, hey, what did you eat yesterday? Makes it so that yesterday you made different decisions than what you ate. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you, you have lie, to, it doesn't help. <laughs> right. You have to be humble enough to accept accountability. Like... If you are in a discipleship group at Trinity, but you refuse to hear hard things about yourself, that discipleship group is going to do you no good. None. You are not going to grow one iota. Um, I would say, too, that this is a point where you and I, if you drill down enough, we probably agree. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but we don't talk about it the same way. Like, I know myself. I am boring. I've been with myself for 44 years. I don't want to learn anything about myself because I've learned, here's what I need to know about myself. I am not very capable of good apart from my relationship with Jesus. I will fail time and time again. Um, and the only way for me to do good and to add beauty and bring joy to the world is to rely upon God. And the moments I stop doing it is the moments I get in trouble, right? Um, and I think we need to reclaim that too. Like this idea of we're not completely good and we're not completely bad. I, I Like this is, Wesley agreed with Whitfield on this, right? Like human, human depravity. Um, I don't teach my kids to do wrong. I teach them to do good because they won't figure it out on their own. Nope. So. Probably not. No, probably not. So any good in my life is from the grace of God. Um, I think it's smart that I acknowledge that. And, and But I think, too, that that understanding and keeping that in perspective is one of the things that helps me not completely fail in life. 
Um, because if I, if I think I can do good on my own, I, I, I don't, what do I need God for? Welcome to the 21st century North American experience. I know. Where a third of people are nuns because they see a whole bunch of people who've done a whole lot, lot of church and doing a whole lot yep. of meanness. Yep. Yeah. So I would say um, for me, these things, yeah, this whole, um, the whole problem of abuses of power in the church First off, like, it's not that Ravi Zacharias was a predator uh, as much as he abused his power. Mm-hmm. Call it whatever you want. I mean, we can say he had predatory behavior, but he abused his power, and nobody nobody brought it up. Maybe the women tried to. I haven't done a lot of reading about it because, honestly, it just breaks my heart. Like, I just, nothing's changed from what we've learned from him. Well, he's dead now. Well, but but I know, but like, what's changed? I mean, I would say, um, unfortunately, and it may, this may be a lack of wisdom on my part to say this. But because the people at the last church I was at didn't know what happened, the leader of that church has not actually had an opportunity to learn what part he played in it. I had to learn what part I played in it. The women he preyed upon learned what part they played in it. But that leader has not, there's been no accountability there. We, we, that's a matter of pride and we have to stop. Like, there has to be, the, if you are the head of this church, Caleb, and something terrible happens on your watch, it's good for you to sit back and say, were there signs that I missed? And what could <laughs> I have done? Yep. Right? Yep. And to be public about that. You're not perfect. And that's okay. Right? Like, that's okay. But. Yeah, this is why pride has zero place in a Christian's life and why humility is so important. Um, And I'm not talking about this fake humility, right? Like I'm talking about the humility that says, I am a sinner. I have this nature in me that prevents me from doing good. The image of God is in me, but it is distorted and I need God to fix it and then I need to be loved into embracing failure yeah that's an interesting like I hadn't really thought about this till he said it but it's like this idea of abuse of power so like You know, I make the assumption, I think you make the assumption, that Bathsheba went to David because he was the king and there was nothing she could do about it. Abuse of power. Mm 
but what if she was kind of mad at Uriah anyway? And like, like there are there, like this this question of abuse of power. Like, there's inherently power tied up in physical intimacy between humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, like, it's, it's a, like, I feel like that is really kind of a, a hard, I mean, it's, it's trying to stick a dart in Jello. So you here's. Know, where, where there is. Yeah. Abuses of power and where there is, you know, someone seeking power, right? Like, if HBO has yep. taught us anything is that there will always be some floozy who is attracted to power and, you know, will seek after it yeah absolutely empire sopranos but here's here's the problem (laughs) um david had the greater responsibility david was in charge he sent for her now david was probably attractive strapping man so Lots David's a bad example. Let's take it back to, you know, Zacharias. Not yeah. nearly as powerful as the king of Israel. But but weren't the women that he um, sought out, weren't they usually his employees? That's not the impression I have. Okay. Um, they could be. So the, the problem... Right I mean, now in Hybels, society. Like, you know, like name, I mean, the, the, here's the problem. There are so many examples of this, right? Like, like we could, like if we just started listing off the people who, who have become high profile failures, um, you know, it would take us through lunchtime. Like this yeah. is, this is the problem. And my fear is that we aren't learning from any of them because we're just saying, oh, well, that guy sucked. Yeah, that won't be me. It's like, yeah, yeah you know what? And that I bet you 20 years ago, Bill Hybels was saying the same thing about, you know, Baker. Yeah, right. I'm sure. But here's the thing. The thing is um, with accountability, like we, um, we're really good at this in our denomination. Like we're told, look, when you step up on that podium, like when you, when you are appointed, you are in a position of power. You have influence over people. Anyone in your congregation that you approach, uh, as a, if you're married, anyone that you approach uh, outside of your marriage, even if you're single, anyone you approach in your congregation because you are in a position of authority, that's going to be an abuse of your power. Don't do it. But then we don't, then we don't take that very seriously, right? Like. We talk about moral failings. No, 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 no. We need to look at this as an abuse of power. Like this, this is incongruent with good leadership, period. You do this, you have failed as a leader. Not that you can't be restored, but that is a failure in your leadership because these are the people you are in charge of caring for. So anyone in Heibel's church that he was inappropriate with that was him 
That was his failing as a leader. He, it was not the responsibility of the women he approached to protect themselves. He was the one who was responsible for caring for them and protecting them. And my question becomes, like, when it goes the other what way, what should he have done differently? Right? Like, like not, not like when you get to the point of the abuse of power, mm-hmm. like there's a whole, there's a whole litany of things that went on yeah. before that happened. Right. Yeah. You know, and chances are the first time he abused the power, he wasn't the aggressor in the situation, but he has said, you know what? I'm lonely. I'm stressed out. I'm going to take advantage of this. And he still had the responsibility as a leader. Agreed. Agreed. So the question becomes, what do we do from an accountability standpoint, from a strategy standpoint, to make it so that we don't find ourselves in that Mm -hmm. situation? Like, we are not asking this question, Mm -hmm. which means we are doomed to repeat it over and over and over and Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again. Because guess what? Hybels didn't think it would be him. Zacharias didn't think it would be him. You know, you name it, right? Like uh, the Hillsong guys. None of them thought it would be them. But there have been like nine of them now, right? Oh, that's because they are bred for that, baby. Um, So it's like if if, if we don't become better at creating strategies of accountability and not just on a weekly basis, hey, are you running around on your wife? It's like, well, that's – if you've gotten to that point, you've gotten too far, right? What are the – fundamental needs that we have that that them going unsatisfied in our failure to acknowledge it create the conditions where you know yeah in the words of lynn manuel miranda i want to say no to this i (laughs) can't say no to this (laughs) of course you can say no come on hamilton Um, I mean, so first off, I think that um, for me, it's what is secret. If I feel like something needs to be kept secret, there's danger. This is a red flag. So um, in the past, um, I mean, this is is how women in the work world experience things, right? Like, if someone comes to me and says, this is going on, the first thing I say is, write it down, keep a record, and don't shut up. Like, you need to go to the person you report to, and you need to tell them what's happening. Don't don't keep this a secret, because the minute you keep it a secret, it's going to get dangerous, right? Um, and the, the same is true, like, we had talked about this a while back, like, clergy receiving... Um, large financial gifts right Mm. like don't keep that from other people because then there becomes this power imbalance right so if somebody is approaching you and you are not comfortable with it and they do it anyway you keep a record and you tell people right um so if if another person approached highballs his responsibility was to say no and then to tell someone right not to shame the person right like he can talk with the person one-on-one if they keep doing it he needs to bring in someone else but 
because what you keep in the dark is what's going to hurt you, right? Like, this, mm. is, this, is how, this is how the person that I worked with operated. Everyone was in the dark. Nobody had the full picture of what was going on. And that was intentional on his part. Right? Like, I, my guess is the same thing was true with these other folks. Um, but um, for so long, women have been told, I mean, I mean, I literally, um, after experiencing sexual harassment, sexual assault, I was in counseling with a pastor who said, do not tell anyone else about this. Hmm. No! Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No! Like, what the heck? The minute you keep it secret and quiet, you are, you're going to take on shame and start thinking it's your fault. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I didn't ask for that. Did I do stupid things to put me in a position to where that could happen? Yes, absolutely. Did I ask for the assault? No, I did not. Mm. And, and you know me. Nobody in their right mind is going to try to assault me. Especially not back when you had lots of guns. Well, I didn't have guns at that time. <laughs> so this was pre-guns, and this then you had lots of guns, and now you're post I didn't have lots of guns. I had a few guns that were really nice, and I kind of missed, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I can't carry something designed to kill my neighbor and love my neighbor well. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, th I think secrecy is a big problem. And I think telling women or even telling men, right? Like this is true in my professional life, whether it's a man or a woman who I'm talking to. And I've had both. Don't put this under lock and key. You have to tell someone. I will go with you when you tell someone, right? Yeah. What we keep secret has power over us. Our listeners just got more than they bargained for today. Probably. But, hey, I mean, like, I think the, the important thing to remember there are lots of people who will disagree with me on this and say, no, that's stupid, Caleb. You're stupid, Caleb. Why, why don't you, you know, I want to stab you in the face, Caleb. Um, you sound like a, a Lutheran satire. Yeah. You're stupid, Patrick. I'm going to stab you in the face, Patrick. That's what I was going for. Good. Um, you know, I, I think we are well served by recognizing our capacity to fail and fail miserably and fail in a way that does deep harm for others and understanding our capacity for that to be us should give us um, one greater humility to not go to places that are dangerous right um, for our souls um, you know two should make it so that we are actively strategizing to um you know t 
to not get to the place emotionally where we have supreme difficulty in saying no to stealing or running around or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I think that was uh, really good wisdom around, you know, you just, you, when, when things happen that shouldn't, not, you know, not leaving them in a dark corner where they can fester and grow. You can be sure your sins will find you. Um, anyway, whew, this has been quite the podcast, Caleb. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a fun one to edit. It's wide, <laughs> wide range of topics. Wide range of topics. Uh, I've had word problems. We've had a bug in the studio. Um, I don't know that there's a lot I'm going to edit out and not even this part because people should know that like podcasting there are any listeners who think they're going to start a podcast uh know the cost because it's you got to get a workflow and you got to edit yeah but i love it this is this is right now one of the highlights of what we do here i love it so <laughs>
Mm. I brushed my teeth about a half an hour ago, and uh, mm, mm, okay. I think it might just be Bang. It tastes just like Bang to me. You know, we should review Bang again because we lost the episode. Mm. Okay. So, uh, mm-hmm. Well, we gave Bang a five because we thought there'd be things better or worse than it, so. Oh, yeah, this is sticky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to say it's it's just bang again. It, yeah. Yeah, it might be a little better than bang. A little lighter. We'll give it a six. Mm, I'm still trying to decide. If there are any listeners out there who drink caffeine, caffeinated energy drinks, that, that was a... That was not, I have trouble with words today, clearly. If there are any listeners out there who drink these energy drinks and burp as a result, I would love to hear from them. Mm. Why do energy drinks make me burp? But not you. I'm just wired different. You're also how many years younger than me? I'm not sure it's wise for a 44-year-old woman to be drinking this nonsense. But here we it's are. It's probably not wise for any of us to be drinking it, but... Yeah. All right. Um, now, I'm going to go with a five. I uh, mm, Maybe even a four. I'd rather drink Bang, I think, than this. But it could also be my toothpaste and mouthwash getting in the way of it. Um, could be. We'll keep the listeners updated uh, as we go. All right. <laughs> Bag, Pastor Serena? Yes, we received one email this week at secondpot at gctrinity.org. Uh, this email comes from Linda. Linda says, loved this past Sunday's message, but it brought up a question that a friend and I have discussed. Can we make a decision for Christ after we die? Or must we make that decision while we're living? My thought is the latter, because we've heard the gospel, but I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks for sending that in, Linda. I appreciate the question. Just for context, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the part of your sermon on Sunday that would have inspired this line of questioning? Yeah, uh, so we read from um, 2 Peter, and in 2 Peter... um, the letter talks about Jesus making proclamation to the imprisoned spirits uh, after he descends to the dead. <clears throat> and I, you know, brought that to the church um, because I wanted the church to see that he descends to the dead is, in fact, uh, oh, Caleb, there's a bug crawling on your microphone cable. That is a stink bug. And our 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 li- our that's a huge stink bug, Caleb. <laughs> it's just a little shield bug. It's not hurting anything. Hey that guys. doesn't mean I like hey it. Buddy. Oh my gosh. Hey buddy. Yep, okay. go the other way. Yep, go, go, go. Yeah, so listeners might not realize uh I live with two reptiles, a bearded dragon and a Euromastix. And I'm uh eat that a thing real quick. Ferret. Oh my gosh. 
be well not the Yermastics because he's a little guy but my bearded dragon Atticus oh she'd have that oh it'd be gone and she would be happy she also eats bumblebees though so she doesn't have good taste anyway okay <laughs> sorry for that distraction folks uh yeah so I wanted the church to see that um he descended to the dead is in fact in scripture and I oh my gosh Caleb you just flicked it out the door goodbye bug okay sorry um is in fact in scripture and uh that Jesus you know not only went to the dead the place of the dead but busted the imprisoned spirits out thus defeating Satan yeah man uh and like this is what it means to hold the power of death or to to have power over death right not just that jesus was resurrected although that's a big part of it like i'm not gonna say it but um that jesus also was able to free other people who were in the place of the dead and waiting for the good news of the gospel all right so now that we have the background on this um you want to go first and give us your thoughts caleb and i'll respond sure um so the question of can we make a decision for jesus uh post-death um i mean the easy answer is it's above my pay grade um i i tend to believe that god is so ludicrously gracious that he will give us exactly what we want for eternal life. And if what we want is God and the things of God, then we spend eternity in heaven. So part of part of what our time on earth needs to be about is learning how to love the things of God and desire the things of God. Um, you know, cultivating the fruit of the spirit within us so that you know that is that is the kind of life we want to live in this life and the next um now as gracious as god is would it at all surprise me if the gospel is continually proclaimed to those who are in hell to those who are in captivity and I would say, yeah, that makes sense. Like I could, I could see that being the case. Um, but you know, when we talk about, you know, what does it mean to make a decision for Christ? Um, like I, I think the one of the disservices that um, sort of the consumer Christendom of the twentieth century gave us was this idea that um, the primary purpose of becoming a Christian is to escape from the fiery torments of hell. Mm -hmm. um, because you look at the Bible, and the problem isn't that you and I are bound for hell. The problem is that we are separated from God. Right. The purpose of the Incarnation is to bring God to us, um, to make it so that we can have a uh, 
so that we can know God, God and, and be known by God. Um, so this idea of, you know, making a decision for Jesus that is essentially fire insurance. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's ever the sort of thing that restores the relationship with God in the way that's designed. Um, whether that is, you know, in this life or, or in eternity. Um, so the real question, I guess, from my perspective is, if someone who is experiencing um, a eternity disconnected from God, because that's what they want with their eternity, would they ever say, you know, I just don't like this. I want the things of God instead. And the answer is, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's possible, but I mean, like you take like the, um, you know, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and, you know, the rich man seems to be like, oh man, I made a mistake. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's not enough there to be like, to, to, at least in my mind, there's not there, there's not enough there to authoritatively say there's, you know, no possibility whatsoever that someone who, desires life separated from God in eternity might say, no, 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 I really do need God. I figured it out now. And God wouldn't say, okay, come on. Um, now, is there any sort of biblical backing to say that that's the way it works? No, there is none. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't want to slam the door completely on God being gracious enough to figure something out that we just don't know about yeah my energy drink is getting the best of me um yeah so i agree with you in many ways um i think that god is far more uh gracious gracious and loving than we like to acknowledge that's uncomfortable for us um God is also just, and so, uh, so as a, an example in the modern day, um, if you are an Islamic woman and you have been raised uh, in the Muslim faith, you are unlikely to hear the gospel. And I think that when that woman dies and stands before God or when she is resurrected and stands before the judgment throne um, there will be mercy does God give us a choice after we die is not something I'm super comfortable speculating on though because I'd rather that just be left up to God but here are the things that I am comfortable saying. Uh, we have a responsibility 
to make disciples, and that means we have a responsibility to tell people that the kingdom of God has come or is at hand, that Jesus uh, is God incarnate, and love people into the kingdom. As for does preaching hell bring people to the place of discipleship? I want to say no, uh, and clearly we, we don't do that here, right? Like mm. neither one of us stands up in front of Trinity and says, you lots of sinners, you're going to burn. No, 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 because that's, that's not what we've been told to do. Um, but, you know, Wesley did tell or did preach, like, you know, call out for those who want to flee the wrath of God, right? Uh, and certainly hell would have been part of the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am remiss to say that Wesley or even Whitfield, with whom I, you know, disagree, um, did not do a good job of bringing people into the kingdom, right? But I think, too, that Wesley preached God's love. And so when he said, flee the wrath of God, he was telling people what they were running to and running away from, right? I think that um, we have the modern-day hellfire preacher doesn't necessarily preach what people should be running to. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I could be wrong on that because I don't listen to hellfire preachers. Um, yeah. So, Linda, I, I would feel comfortable saying that God is merciful and just, and we can trust him completely to take care of this dilemma for us, um, and that the focus can be sharing the love of God in Christ Jesus with people right now. And, and I'd also say, like, it's not something to bank on. Right. No. Right? Like, mm -mm. Um, you know, if if we are, and, you know, I know Linda isn't asking this question for this reason, but, you know, other people may be, right? It's like, can I live a completely self-centered, you know, mm. life? And then it's okay because... At the end, I can be like, oh, no, I, I put Jesus at the center. Yeah. Um, now, this isn't to say there aren't legitimate conversions extremely late in life. Yeah. But if you are planning on converting on your deathbed, that is not a good plan. It's really not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And, like, this is part of what started the Methodist movement, too, right? Like, Wesley's desire to see the church reformed, um, his rants against, against antinomialism. Oh, my gosh. This energy drink isn't getting me through. What's the word I'm trying to pronounce, Caleb? Antinomialism. Thank you. Um, which is, you know, proclaiming to be a Christian— but not living as a Christian would live. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was a great question, Linda. Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking it. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's there's the sort of the 
you could answer it from the quest from the standpoint of you know theologically how gracious do we think God is mm-hmm. but for us living here in 2021 probably the better way for us to think about it before we get into that is practically um, you know are we are we thinking about this because um, yeah I mean I think like when yeah just back to this idea of planning on a deathbed confession is not a good plan yeah in part because you miss out on a lot of the wonders of life with god in the present um you know one of the the things that we confess is that eternal life doesn't begin when you die Mm -hmm. right it begins when you start this you know relationship with the god of the universe um, you know, so much so that it's bordering on a seamless transition. Yeah. Um. Yes. The, the spiritual tradition of Wesleyans is that uh, this is not just a one-way ticket. That's not what Christianity is about. A Wesleyan would never preach that. Well, I don't know how to break to see a Cindy, uh, Cindy Serena. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know whether to be complimented or it's one disturbed. Of those, one of those moments. Both, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, there are people self-identified as Wesleyans that preach all sorts of nonsense that is even more nonsensical than this. You know, what I want to say in response to that, Caleb, is just because you self-identify doesn't make it so. And I I don't want to get into identity politics except to say that um, Wesleyanism is a tradition. You cannot say you are part of a tradition, but then not act like you're part of the tradition. Right. Like, well, this has become a really interesting ugh. story in national politics, right? Like, ugh. is Joe Biden Catholic because he carries a rosary and says his faith's important for him? Or are the bishops right in saying he's not Catholic because he's not acting like one? I mean, yeah, like, I am not willing to say what the answer is because I don't know. But I mean, it is it is a fascinating sort of uh, time that we're living in. Yeah. That, you know, accountability is low across the board. Oh, yeah. We were we were um, in a meeting with a team the other day and someone brought up the Association of Independent Methodist. Your response was. No such thing. Right. I mean, clearly this association exists, but like Methodism by definition is connectional. Yeah. Like once you get in out of a connectional accountable accountable um, framework like you've ceased to be Methodist now you can still have Wesleyan theology that's true right um, but like Methodism by definition requires connection but that yeah and that's the thing right like 
you can have Wesleyan theology and share that with parts of the Church of England, right? Yep. And the, the North American Ang- Church, the North American Anglican Church, what is it, the North American? American Church of North America. Thank you, ACNA. Um, But that doesn't make you a Methodist. I'm not even sure that I'm always a good Methodist. I'm not in a class meeting right now. I want to be. Thanks, pandemic. Uh, I need to be. But... You do need to be. I know I need to be. Um, Wouldn't it be something if, you know, coming out of the pandemic we all just latched on tightly to that central unit of discipleship Mm -hmm. to say you know what this is going to be a priority for me my schedule has opened up because a whole bunch of stuff i was doing i realized i don't need to do anymore yeah how can i prioritize growing as as a disciple of jesus yeah wouldn't that be something if like 80% 80% of the people at Trinity were in the discipleship group. It would be amazing. Now. It would be amazing. Wouldn't it be something if there was like a movement to uh, start a church based on that idea? That I digress. Something. You do. Yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned that um, post-pandemic we will look back and squander the time we've had. Like I'm already feeling some of that, right? Yep. Um, and I don't want to return to a packed schedule. I am not interested. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I miss my, we at Trinity call class meetings discipleship groups. Um, so, yeah, I think that we have answered Linda's question and more. I think so, too. All right. All right, so what, uh, what, uh, you're going to encourage the good folks to take something out of this, you know, gumbo bowl of mm. of discussion today. Yeah. Like what is you know, if you're going to scoop out that uh that cow tongue that has now absorbed <laughs> all the flavor of the gumbo. <laughs> Oh, man. And give it to someone. <laughs> this is why I don't eat Southern cuisine. Uh, can I pick three? Sure. I've got top three. Okay, so um, thing number one, we are created in the image of God, but that image is broken, and therefore we need God, and we need to rely upon God and take seriously holiness. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the things you keep secret are the things that are going to hurt you. And uh, number three, I had something, then I lost it. Uh, Women, women, let's learn to love each other. Love your sister. Love the sister that doesn't look like you. Love the sister that doesn't act like you. Love the sister that doesn't dress like you. We all have it equally uneasy. Well, that's not true. We all have it uneasy. There are varying degrees of uneasiness, and we need to be each other's biggest supporters. Boom. There's there's my three things. Good. What about you, Caleb? I think those are good. I'm floored. No, I mean, 
I can't think of. I mean, I mean the the one extra thing I would mm-hmm. add is um, all the things in this life that are good are not complicated, but they are difficult. Mm. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that and going in with our eyes open is going to make all the difference in you know our degree of satisfaction um and i'll plug while we're at it if uh if the whole personal wellness thing is one of the ways that you have been struggling um that you need that layer of accountability that um that maybe you sort of know what you're supposed to do but you want to have it uh reintroduced and boiled down this summer we will be starting the temple maintenance group um, which will revolve around accountability towards health and wellness and accountability as disciples Um, so i'm looking forward to it if you are interested make sure you get with me you can either email me or text me, or email the podcast, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, literally, everything, everything, everything in this life that is of value is simple but difficult. Yep. Amen. I mean, like... I can't think of a single thing of value that isn't simple but difficult. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And difficult can be beautiful. All right. Well, if any listeners have comments, hate mail, questions, uh, if they're interested in discipleship, you can email us, listeners, at secondpot at gctrinity.org. We would love to hear from you. And it is my dream to sell out. So if you are uh, <laughs> interested in sponsoring the podcast, um, we can be bought for cheap. Um, whether you are a energy drink manufacturer or a plumber who wants to buy us energy drinks, we uh, we are just looking to sell out. So. Um, <laughs> That's my lead pastor right there, folks. That's my lead pastor looking to sell out. Well, you're in the right denomination, my friend. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's a keeper. Yeah, that's not getting edited out. That's, that's, that's cold. cold oh, I know. All right, that's friends. All right. <laughs> we hope that you uh, stay caffeinated, stay in love with Jesus, and we'll catch you next time. Put a second pot on.